Hey, I'm Jane Hilsden, marketing consultant and founder of Dragonfly Marketing. Welcome to this episode of the How To Do Marketing Show, a no-nonsense podcast about marketing for small business. It's our mission at Dragonfly Marketing to put marketing on the agenda for every regionally-based small business in Australia. Why? Because we know that when marketing is done properly, it can help your business grow. We believe small businesses are the backbone of our nation. When your business grows, it benefits not only you and your family, it benefits your whole community. Small businesses create a vibrant and a connected economy. We employ local people, we donate to local charities, and we work together to build resilient and thriving regional communities. The How To Do Marketing Show is a podcast just for you and your small business. Bursting with marketing insight and information, this show will be a fabulous resource to help you know all there is to know about the topic of marketing for small business. And now to introduce this episode's guest. Kirsten Karboyak has held a variety of sales positions over the past 15 years, and for nine of those years, she worked her way up the sales and leadership ranks of Flight Centre, where she was consistently in the top 50 business development managers globally and hit the peak of her career with the company in 2015, being named number one business development manager in Australia. Pretty impressive. I thought that Kirsten would be the perfect person to chat to about the importance of nurturing leads within your business. You see, I I think everyone will agree, if you're investing time and money into creating some awesome marketing, then this marketing should be driving a consistent flow of leads to your business. But how are you handling those leads? When those leads call call your business or email you or fill in a contact form on your website like to find out if your business is the solution to their problem who is carefully guiding them to the next step which is hopefully conversion into a client or customer and what happens if they are not ready to buy just yet but maybe in the future how are you capturing their details and then ensuring that some contacts Uh, you know, someone actually contacts them at the point that they are ready to buy. So my chat with Kirsten deep dives into exactly how a business can ensure that their marketing investment is not wasted at the critical point of converting a lead to a sale and how lead nurturing extends well beyond that first and initial point of inquiry. Enjoy. Welcome to the How To Do Marketing Show, Kirsten. Thanks for having me, Jane. Such a pleasure. This has been a much-anticipated conversation. I can't wait to get to get stuck in. It's one of my um, favourite topics, actually. So I'm looking forward to this discussion. But before we kick off that discussion, and, of course, the discussion is around how we generate sustainable long-term sales, Can you please share a little bit about who you are and about your business, BDM by the Hour? Yeah, I'd love to. So my name's Kirsten Kaboviak. When I think back to my first role in sales, it was just out of uni and I was selling um, exchange programs overseas. I've always had a passion for travel, so it was really exciting. Um, And preparing for today, I was thinking, how long have I been selling for? And it was a while, Mm. but for 15, 16 years, Um, and still loving it. 
And BDM by the Hour was created because I'd moved to regional Australia and I just couldn't quite find the role that I was looking for. And I looked at the businesses around me. I could see they were all small businesses and I felt completely underutilised. I was looking for a job. And I was like, how can I help these businesses around me? So I was like, why not start a company where I can then help various small businesses to sell rather than just representing one organisation? So I created BDM by the hour and we help small businesses um, by selling on their behalf. Awesome. And I think why I'm so looking forward to this discussion is that this is something from a marketing point of view that I do see is neglected, like an area or a pillar of the business that I see is neglected by a lot of small businesses and neglected is probably a harsh word. It's not that it's purposely neglected so much. It's just generally that I think um, people don't necessarily think about how they're actually going to look after the sales side of their business or the business development side of the business. And I think it sometimes falls to, to the business owner to look after that. And that's great if the business owner is really good at sales, but if they're not really good at sales, that's it, it can be a huge um, drawback to, to, to the business. Some businesses, of course, will, will employ a business developer or a salesperson, which is fantastic. But a lot of small businesses and the majority of small businesses that we work with do not have a specific business development or salesperson. It's generally the, the people within the business um, or the business owner that that function um, falls, falls to. And, and sometimes they're really good at it naturally. Sometimes they'll tr get some training or professional development around it. But a lot of the time it's, it's, it's not. Um, so before, so, so I guess what I was trying to say with that is what an awesome gap that you identified and, and something that definitely needs addressing with a lot of small businesses. So before we, we get onto the top of, topic of that business development and, gosh, I can't speak this morning, it's Monday, after a long weekend, well, it hasn't been a long weekend, it's just been a long weekend, so just excuse me while I fumble over my words, um, but before we get into the topic of business development and lead nurturing, can you just explain what those two terms mean and, and what they involve, particularly in the context of a small business? Yeah, sure. In thinking about this one too, I actually jumped on Wikipedia, if I got to say, and I'll tell you why in a second. I'll read you what Wikipedia says because I do agree with what they say. So business development entails tasks and processes to develop and implement growth opportunities. It's a creation of long-term value for an organisation from customers, markets and relationships. So in the context of small businesses, I think it's about recognising that if you really want to set up for sustainable growth, you need to invest in it, whether that's time, whether that's money. Um, and then I guess from a lead nurturing side, um, what are you doing to nurture your leads? Are you just working in the marketing space or are you, you know, contacting a contact us once and then thinking, oh, well, that's nurture because I gave them 10 minutes of my time on a phone call. Mm. Um, so I think they are, they're quite broad terms. Um, yeah. And depending on what, your, what product or what service you've got, um, it can look slightly different. But for small, for small businesses, I mean, business development, lead nurturing should be priority when you're in your early stage of going. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, a lead is a potential customer. Um, I think I think you can pretty much say that that for for particularly for service businesses um, and 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 businesses that I guess have a have a larger kind of lead time in terms of how long it takes a person. Um, you know, from finding out your about your business to that initial engagement with your business to then, you know, starting to inquire and get some more information. Um, and then that's when they kind of become a lead. And then it's about converting that lead and, and making sure that you kind of take them through a process that, um, that, that you can sell something to them so that they actually become a customer. You know, I guess for retail stores um, or for, for cafes and restaurants and those sorts of things, it's probably a slightly different process, but certainly for professional services and particularly business-to-business small businesses that are kind of in that business-to-business space, this lead nurturing process is, is, a, is a really highly relevant part of your, your marketing and sales funnel. And, yeah, look, business development to me is, is, is a bit like that kind of marketing terminology and sometimes business development even really falls under the marketing umbrella. You know, there's, there's I think a lot of the time there's that, that an expectation sometimes by, by small business owners that that business development piece will be done by the marketing team. But it's, it's a sales role really essentially, isn't it? it it's, it's going out and identifying um, potential clients or potential prospects for your business and, um, and, and starting that conversation with them. Is, is, would you say that that's right? Well, I would say that the conversation starts in marketing and then it continues on to sales and account management into an existing customer. And I guess yes. this is why we were interested in having this and sharing this conversation because we had both discovered that lead nurturing meant the same thing but slightly different for both of us too. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, how long do you think um, that lead nurturing um, space fits into marketing before it gets passed to sales. Yeah, so the the lead nurture that can happen in marketing will can happen just with marketing. It can happen with 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 automation. So when we set up a marketing ecosystem, that lead nurturing kind of happens within the the, the middle part of our funnel. So. So this is after the potential lead or, or customer has found out about your business. So you've used marketing at the top of the funnel to, to let them know about your business, to position your business as, you know, different to, to the other businesses that you might compete with or the other alternatives that they might have um, to, to solve the problem that they're looking to solve. Um, they've seen your marketing enough times so that you've had that frequency of touch point. So they've dropped down the funnel to, funnel to the middle of that, that, that funnel. And this is where they're starting to engage. So it's probably best to use a, a, an example. So say, for example, with the Dragonfly Marketing Lead Funnel, you know, they may have watched, say, you know, let's call it five or ten of, of, of our videos across Facebook and, and LinkedIn. They may have seen one of our webinars somewhere along the way. Um, and then at some point, maybe six months or 12 months after they've started to consume our, con our content, they might um, subscribe to our email database and then they kind of come in as a lead. Like that's when we would start to call them a 
an engaged lead when they start to actually we can identify them as a person so sure they'll start they might you know hang around our website they might look at our videos and they might do this that and the other but until they actually identify themselves as here's my email address or pick up the phone and introduce themselves they're a metric you know they're a, they're a data uh, a bit of data so so once they've identified themselves and they've opted into something Look, how long is a piece of string? That lead nurturing, depending what your business is. Like I had a client the other day um, who actually went on to, I actually, if we use the language, I converted them to a, a retainer client, which is where we they outsource all of their marketing to us. So we're, we're working with them on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, when I said to her, you know, oh, what made you think of, of me? And this is someone that I had known in town but we'd never discussed work ever. I think we used to work out at the at the gym together. And I said, well, what, you know, I know we've known each other through the gym and everything, but what made you think of us? And she said, well, I've been consuming your content for years. I've, she said, I've known about you and I've seen you, you know, I've seen all your stuff on Facebook for years and years and years. <laughs> so like years and years and years <laughs> in yeah. terms of how long does that that lead nurturing process yeah. there's 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 a you know for for those people who are ready to buy for the three percent of people who are ready to buy when they see your marketing that lead nurture might last three days you know but for the 97 percent of the other people who are not ready to buy that that lead nurture side from a marketing point of view could happen for years before they could actually drop to the point where they're picking up the phone for my business, picking up the phone and saying, can, can we talk about how you can help me with your marketing? Yeah. And so lead nurturing, we, we both agree that it can take what from three days to, to three years potentially. Mm. And I guess that's where the crossover is between marketing and sales, because there are some things from a marketing perspective you can continue to do so that that, um, lead comes back to you but yes. there's some things you can do from a sales perspective to help accelerate that lead into a sale mm. as well and yes. I believe that lead nurturing process doesn't stop when someone fills in a contact us and you have a phone call I believe that it continues and yes. you build on the relationship and try and get that client to um, that prospect to convert into being a client yeah, yeah. So that's in the case that they've they've called you, but they haven't gone ahead with something. So if they've called you and obviously converted, you know that's that. There's no well, there's there's a different nurturing to be done as as relationship management. But if they don't convert at that point, they still need a little bit more time or whatever. Then 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 there's some more. Would you say that's necessary to do from a marketing point standpoint, sales standpoint? Both, would you say that that it would be more powerful at, you know, if if, if that lead was then nurtured by a, a physical relationship with someone, You're not physical, yeah. obviously, but, you know, a person-to-person -person as opposed to email automation? Well, what we're seeing is that it can work hand-in-hand. -hand. So when using the same example, if someone comes through from Contact Us, you know, they're not keen at that time, don't put them back onto automation, have them nurtured by a person within a sales process and then when the salesperson has qualified that person in or out, when the timing's been right for the customer, then if it's not right, you can still put them back on to, to a nurture, whether it's blog posts or newsletter sent out. Um, or they might actually just say, no, I don't really want to you know, receive the material, but can you call me in six months' time? 
And so yes. therefore that still sits with sales again. And yes. so this is a really interesting space that if you can work it out, it can go from marketing to sales back to marketing again. Yes, 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 yeah. And of course, when you say contact us, you mean via the contact us page on the website or whatever yeah, digital right. touch point that, that, that you're collecting that. And, and it's generally is the website. So generally, if you've got all the, you know, the Facebook and the LinkedIn and the billboards and the radio ads, however you're choosing to market, generally the the very last touch point before they pick up the phone or send you an email will be your your website so so whether it's coming through a contact form or just getting your phone number and calling you so in your work with small businesses so far what have been some of your observations around how they prioritize an action business development or lead nurturing in their their business what what do you see from your side well, we're working with businesses around the three to four year mark. Yes. Um, so usually they've got a bit of marketing in, in place. Sometimes they don't. Mm. Um, but most of the customers we see don't have any system in place um, right. for sales and marketing. So yes. a lot of them aren't doing follow-up. Or they're doing yes. one phone call. Um, you know, they've received a phone call, they're interested, and then they say, oh, the person, the person wasn't interested right now. They forget to follow up because they've not got a system to remind them to yes. place that call. Yes. That's yes. pretty standard. They're busy. We're all yes. small business owners. But yeah. the customer, if we're in professional services, the customer is a small business owner too. So mm. they're busy too. Mm. So they might appreciate a call back to say, yeah. hey, how's things going? Has anything changed? Are you interested in our services? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Okay. And, and yeah, like that would be my observation as well. It's, it's purely because a business owner, particularly when it is the, the, the sales side of thing, if it has fallen down to the business owner, they wear every hat, you know, every finance, HR, plus the skill that they're good at and the marketing. So it's very easy for, for sales to, to just be one of those extra things on the, the to-do list, easy to fall off. The other thing that I reckon is why it falls off is because there's a lot of people who feel really icky about being too um, salesy or too keen yeah. or too eager or... Yeah. Um, I don't know whether there's something bigger that, you know, like a fear of rejection or do you know what I mean? Like I yeah, think yeah. that stops a little people, a, a few people as well. I know for me that stopped me in the past um, and I know and this isn't always the way but for me when my leads say for example if they they come in if they've picked up the phone to me and i've had a conversation with them i'll qualify them on the phone at that point and then i'll say yes we can help you or no we can't if i yep. can help you here's i'm going to send you proposal or email or da 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 the ones that are really really keen to work with us and are ready to work with us they never need following up they they drop straight in so that's got me into the habit of the ones that don't, I just, I just do not, I don't prioritise. And I must say, fortunately, the majority of people who get to that stage do, do just go through and I don't have to be pestering them or following them up. But there are definitely some that, that don't and that I probably should follow up and I don't, probably for all those reasons that I'd stated above. But, you, there's probably lots of them. I mean, yeah. if I 
the way that I like to purchase. If I have a phone call with someone, I always like to then read through it afterwards, sit on it a couple of days and then make a decision. Yes. And if I get busy as a small business owner and you're not giving me a call back, it doesn't mean I'm not ready. Yeah. This means I was keen and I needed a couple more days. So yeah. maybe you've got huge opportunities sitting right in front of you. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And I did it. I followed up someone the other day actually thinking, oh, they haven't got back to me. You know, it's been a, a week or two. But it was a referral from, a you know, an existing client. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll you know, from a relationship point of view, I'll, I'll call back. And, and even if it's if they're not keen to go ahead, I'll just find out why and see if there's anything, you know, any anybody else I might be able to point them to or, or whatever. And it was exactly that, Kirsten, exactly that. Sorry, we've just been really busy. You know, I'll get back to you by Monday. They did and they're going ahead. And I was like, oh, there we go, Jane. Yeah. There is a lesson in life. I guess it's a reminder too. Up. Like better late, and better late than never. You know, if at the moment we're doing some work for a company and we're following up leads that were, um, were hot a year ago, Right, yeah. that's ages ago. And if you think, oh, no, sales, you've got to follow up things when they're hot. Yes, you do if they're keen. But if it's a year ago and you've left it lapsed that long, still don't be disheartened. Pick yes. up the phone. Acknowledge that a year's now passed. There's changes in both of your businesses. But what do things look like now? Because when you do that, you're going to find at least 30 40% of them, things have changed and it might be, they might be now in a position to buy. Others, they'll drop off the radar, but at least you'll know and you haven't wasted that time that you'd invested a year and a half ago in talking to them in the first place or, in fact, in your marketing efforts. You're starting to get long-term ROI on them. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Oh, that's such a, a really good point. So what are some of the potential consequences that a small business might face in the scenario that they are investing heavily in their marketing efforts? So kind of as I was explaining before, the top of the funnel is all ticks, it's all go, you know, they've got all the marketing out there to let people know about them. So they're driving a ton of leads to their business, but they don't have that framework that you're talking about in place that actively kind of manages those leads and that business development activity that supports and really leverages those sales. <laughs> like, and I'm going to say in all transparency, that is me. So what are some of the potential consequences that I might be facing? <laughs> I mean, I think the first thing is to recognise that it's lost opportunities. Yeah. So it's business that you're not getting, that you could be getting quite easily by having systems and processes in place. Um, but the other thing is if you've got all this, um, you've got a nice marketing system, ecosystem set up and you're getting leads coming through and then you're not getting back to them, then you're going to get unhappy customers. Mm -hmm. Mm. And in the world we live in with social media, with your reputation being, your brand being everything and it's all being online, you can't afford to have three or four bad reviews come up about your organisation yeah, yeah. So I think that's really important to remember. If you're going to be um, working with a marketing agency and getting these great leads in, you need to have a plan in place to how you're going to be communicating with them afterwards so that they don't feel like they've got so much love right at the beginning and getting all this great content. And then when they go to try and catch you, they yes. can't get hold of you because you're too busy um, or you never got back to their, their phone call. Yeah, yeah. Now... <laughs> Here's a question, and this is where I sometimes get a bit of conflict because I did this program once called Key Person of Influence, which I must say I have followed a lot of what they recommended and it, and it works. So the, so the Key Person of Influence is now called Dent. Um, the Key Person of Influence kind of has five pillars that they base their, their program on, and it's about 
um, you know, essentially being able to position your yourself and your, your business as an expert. And so they have these five pillars of, you know, publish a book, um, build your profile, um, et cetera, et cetera. Can't remember the, the, the other two, product, you know, putting products in place and there's a couple more. Um, anyway, one of their premises, and there's a whole book that's been written about it by a guy called Dan Priestley who started that. One of their premises is being oversubscribed is actually good for business. And there's been a few keynotes that I've listened to recently where, you know, successful business people have spoken of the scenario by just the very fact that somebody, um, you know, thinks that they're really busy and they're in high demand, it actually makes them more appealing, that feeling of oversubscribed. It is basically what they're, they're talking about is the same as when you see a restaurant and you can see the line of people lining up down the road, you go, that's where we want to be. Like, that's clearly the place to be. How, what do you think about that? I haven't heard of that before, but you've described it really well. And if I use the same example of being lined up for a restaurant, I would agree. It has a great little Japanese place. I love going. It's always got a line out the side. And that's fine. I do feel more compelled to come in because I'm thinking, oh, great, there must have been food in there. But what happens when you get inside that restaurant, right? Because if the service is horrible or the food is bad, I'm not going to go back. So I might come in there once, but you've got a customer who's going to that business once. You're not getting repeat customers. So I guess it also depends on what you're selling. If you're just looking to sell a product once to someone, that's fine. That model, I think, can, can work. In service businesses, I'm saying, yeah, have a component of it, but you don't want to be appearing so busy. I, you know, there's only two spots left on the course when, in fact, you've got 50 because that's just, it's just a facade that you're hiding behind. And if you are going to do that, when the individual gets into your business, what are you going to do? You have to still give them great service. You have to have enough time. You have to take care of them or they're going to have a whole experience and they'll bat write that bad review and, you know, be doing the opposite to what you want them to do. Yeah, yeah. And I guess um, obviously delivering on, on what you promise you're going to, your, your promise you're going to deliver is, is, is a given. And I guess the, the restaurants that have the, the lines down the road, they generally are having the lines down the road because they are brilliant and they're, and they're delivering it. I guess I, you know, I always just found that premise really counterintuitive because I kind of think, okay, so if you if you're building this this reputation of being oversubscribed, um, essentially it's it's designed to sort the wheat from the chaff. So the people who are prepared to wait, the people who have decided that your skills are valuable and you are the person that they want to you know, see, they're the ones that will hold on. They're the ones that will go, okay, it, she's, she can't work on me, you know, she can't work on my business for, for three months, but that's fine. I'll just wait the three months and, and, and we'll, you know, because I want to work with her yeah. because clearly she's really good at what she does because, she, you know, she's, she's booked out for this, for this three months. And there's plenty of like specialists and stuff in town that I can think of that exact scenario. And so I guess it is just to kind of weed out those people who aren't serious. Um, but again, I think there's that really fine line where you go, but you really, you don't want to be 
um, non-responsive. Do you know what I mean? So you might go, okay, that's fine. You can get in the queue for three months, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't contact them for three months. You know, when that lead comes in, you still want to take them through the process in a really timely and professional manner. But I guess it's about communicating that expectation of that, you know, yes, we'll, we'll take you through the process and work out whether we're, you know, good to go in terms of working relationship and we all, we're all a good fit. But guess what? We just can't start for another three months as opposed to just don't answer the phone until yeah. you can three months later. I mean, you certainly have more control over your time if you're using that strategy. But on top of that, what if you combined another one in and said, okay, we're not available for three months. And then at the one and a half month, you give them a call and say, oh, space has actually just come up. Would you like to, to start with us in two weeks from now? Yeah. And then you set the expectation for three months. You yes. overachieved on that. And so the customer actually is going to be happier than what they would have been waiting for three months. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea too. Yeah, that's the, that surprise and delight element. Great. Um, now, really great point that you raised with us, uh, with, sorry, with me in our discussion before this interview was around the fact that sales funnels are, in fact, cyclical. And when I say cyclical, I'm making the, the shape of a funnel. I should be doing the, the whirlies. Um, cyclical as opposed to triangular shaped. So you recommend that businesses think carefully about investing too much time and resources in branding and marketing and not having the appropriate personnel and support from a sales and uh, business development perspective. I, as I said, I am that person. I'm the one that is out there with all of the marketing. Um, and then when too many sales and too many leads come in, I just do not have that system or that framework. I, I, because I've, I'm, I'm from a customer relationship background and I value relationships, I am from a little bit of a sales background, I know that I have to get back to the leads really, really quickly when they, they come in. So I do that. And I will, always, I will always deliver on what I say I'm going to do. So if I say I'm going to get the proposal to you by the end of the week, I'll get the proposal to you by the end of the week. But if they don't get back, I'm like, okay, and then I don't get back. You know, they, there's, there's, there's no kind of system then to take them on the, the journey. I might follow them up. I might not. They might drop back into my marketing. They might not. Mm-hmm. Um, so what can we do? What, so, so we get them in the door we've given them a call, we've had that initial conversation and let's say they haven't converted. What can we do to put some sort of a system and framework in place to to help us avoid missing out on these opportunities? Get a system in place, get something. It doesn't matter if it's your calendar to start off with putting reminders in there. Um, Best case is that you're working within a CRM or a customer relationship management tool so that it's organized for you and take great notes in there because then when you pick up the phone, you're not forgetting about what you spoke to that person about. You've got it there in front of you. Then you can also delegate. So if you take the inquiry, Jane, and then something comes up and you can't do the follow-up, you can then delegate that to someone in your team literally by putting it in their name. So that's the first thing. Just make sure you've got some sort of system in place. But I guess in terms of the funnel versus, you know, continuum, I believe it's changed because from when I started in sales, it was all about quantity. You know, sales is always about numbers, but there were these formulas that you could follow and the conversion would come out. But the formulas were, you know, 
call 500 clients, get, you know, 250 who are interested and get five appointments from that. Yeah. But if you work alongside marketing and you're calling the right people, your conversion is going to be so much higher. Mm. And then on top of that, if you're working to nurture the customers coming in after that first phone call or the second one that you're not doing, you're going to get much higher conversion. And so I think things have flipped in that you can see, you know, just like the lady in town, you can talk to someone a year ago and they can come back a year later. Yeah. Is that still a funnel? Sure. Maybe, but in between then she's spoken to one of your customers. One of your customers now is interested in another product. I just think that it's all flattened out. Um, mm, and mm. customers are coming back when they're more so when they're ready. They don't mm. like being pushed through mm. a funnel. And because mm. they're not being pushed through a funnel, you're seeing a lot of people at the end of the day, which is what we're talking about when we're talking about leads, they're mm. making decisions at times that might not be as predictable as it was before. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's interesting. And, and back on that point around the CRM, because, yeah, I agree, system and and framework and even if it's like a basic process that you put into place. And I liked your idea about, yeah, perhaps like I take the initial call, for example, and then delegate the follow-up to somebody else in the team. I think that's a really, really good point because particularly if the reason why these leads aren't getting followed up is because the business owner just does not have the time or the business owner feels icky about chasing that sale. You know, there's so many people that I think would love to believe that if someone wants to work with me, well, then they'll work hard to work with me. Do you know what I mean? I don't need to chase my sale. I don't need to follow that up. Um, so, So for that person, perhaps there's somebody else in their team who doesn't have necessarily that that mindset towards sales and is very happy just to pick up the phone and follow it up because it's not about being eager or too salesy or it's just it's just a step in the process. And I also like your point about the CRM and what I would love to, to understand because I know, you know, each industry seems to have their own kind of, you know, CRM that's, that's either custom built for that, that industry or just widely used by that industry. Do you need to have CRM software for this kind of thing if you're a small business? And, and by CRM, we mean customer relationship management software. Do you need to have software? Can you have an Excel spreadsheet and a Google Calendar kind of set up? Or, or what, what would you think would work best there? Um, I don't like Excels. <laughs> I, would say, I would say get a system to do it yeah, for you because yeah. now there's so many free versions that are it can work for small businesses, you know, up to three, four years into business, depending on your size. So it's just about, um, it's just a filing cabinet, really. It's the one that used to sit in paper underneath your desk with a folder for each customer. Mm. But now we are working with more volume. It allows you to just better organize it. Mm. But what it also does is it shows you what's happening. You can see what activity you've had, what your team's had. You can see the results it's having in the sales space. You can see the results Mm. it's having in the marketing place. And you know, when you when you go to pick up the phone, you haven't spoken to these people, you know, for six months they've been in the marketing, receiving the blogs, you've given them a lot of valuable content. And when you pick up the phone, you've got the record of everything that's been sent and you've already got some prompts of, of what to say. So, in fact, it makes the phone call a lot easier and less salesy because that person already feels they, 
they know you. Yeah. So the CRM, I would say, just makes it easier to get organized and it allows you that visibility and the ability to just sort of delegate it within your team really quickly. Mm, But there are a lot of free versions out there that will do will do the job in the marketing and and management space. Um, Do you know any off the top of your head? Yeah, there's quite a few that small businesses are using. So we'll work across um, Zoho, Pipedrive, HubSpot. HubSpot's probably the most common at the moment. But that's not free, is it? That's quite that's that's quite expensive, isn't it? Or not expensive, but it's not. It's 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 like what a thousand, couple of thousand a month. HubSpot's free initially. Um, so from just a pure sales perspective, um, it can help you get oh, organised and get all okay. your leads in and. Um, from a marketing perspective, then when you need to go up to that level, then you've got paid. And all of these CRMs, they revolve around coming on the free version, of course. Yeah, yeah. And then as you grow and as your needs change, you start onto the paid. But you can always take your data and go to a different CRM if your needs change. My point is get it into the system. Yeah. So I think calendars great, documents are great, but if it's in a system, it's even better. Yeah, and cuts down like half the time it takes to communicate. Yeah, yeah, and these systems are designed for it. So they've and they're so smart and sophisticated, and they've got all the little um, um, hacks and and notifications, and and they're designed to make your life so much easier. If you had to pick one, would you say that they're kind of different for each industry? So, like an accountant would probably be better suited to one, and a marketer might be better suited to another. Or is there just one rocking CRM that you go, do you know what, no matter what your industry, if you went with this, you'd be pretty good? I think it depends on what stage you're in. So if you're yeah. already working working with a marketing agency like yourselves, I think it's best to pick one that they're familiar with so you get the setup right initially. Yeah. Um, but they're all pretty good. If it's just about getting yourself organised and making sure you've got visibility over where your prospects are, any, yeah. of, them, any of the free versions will do the job and you can always change letter later. Yeah, 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 that's exactly right. Good point, good point. And, and actually I was checking out monday.com as a, like a project management tool the other day and I noticed that they've got like a CRM management function on there as well. So it could even be something that, that you can integrate with your, your project management software or something like Yeah, like a lot of that. them do. A lot yeah. of them. Yeah. yeah, 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 cool. So do you have any examples of any small businesses who have really well-tuned business development and lead nurturing frameworks in place? And can you share any insight around how they have developed this and what kind of outcomes these frameworks have, have delivered for them? So, yeah, we recently worked, it was actually with a startup, so we were working with them in um, very early stages. They had a great concept, they had a great brand, great logo, they had a lot of the material already created um, and they already had all of that sinking into their CRM. So the reason why I'm going to use these guys in the example, it was well-tuned because the systems and processes were there and from a sales perspective, we had all the material and all the content and visibility that we needed to then jump on the phone and have an initial outreach. So mm-hmm. I think that um, for them, like their lead nurturing, it was all documented. They were right on top of it. It allowed us to do a project for them and then hand everything back for them to continue. Mm-hmm. So. Again, the reason why I use that example is that the outcomes that they're getting from that is that they've benefited from us helping them give them a bit of a boost. They've taken control back. 
Yeah. Um, and from the get-go, they've got all their systems and processes in place. So yeah. a year from now, again, they could be calling someone that was interested in, in their website, you know, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, but without that, they they wouldn't be doing the follow-up call. No, no, because you don't know what you don't know when, you, when you're starting off in business. And so what I got from that is that, they've you know they've started up their business they've obviously recognized that the sales and the business development function is going to be quite an important part of their their business so they've got you on board because that's not their strength and so they've got you on board to help them put that system and that framework in place and now that that's set up they can then go and manage that and train all their staff you know as they as they build and they grow to be able to put that that system in in place and leverage the benefits is that right Kind of this particular company though they had they mapped out everything so oh. all we were doing were execu- was actually just executing it and having the first contact and taking them through a couple of touch points. Oh, so you were doing the sales for yeah. them, yeah. right, yeah. right, okay. Um, and, and I guess bringing back to our earlier conversation around investing in marketing, if you're going to invest in marketing and branding. Think that little bit further about what you're going to do when the leads come in and get a sales process or continuation of your sales process in place because if you do, the return you're going to get on your initial investment from marketing and then the time you're putting into selling and contacting them is going to be far greater than not doing it. So then how does that work if... um, So I guess that's where the BDM comes in. Um, so, So how does that work when you're doing sales on behalf of another business like how much do you need to integrate with the business like is, is that an easy thing to kind of integrate or yeah run us through that process um it's like sometimes i liken it to starting with a new company you know yeah. we pick up clients because it is a lot of information but yeah at the back of an initial consult we get to know the business and their products and we often find that as we go along um we're talking to that our clients, customers, so we're getting a lot of feedback. And as we pick up trends, we're giving that back to the client so they can further develop their their products. Um, yeah. But we take quite a quite a quick initial brief. Um, but you know, the example I've just used, if a company has some great branding and a good marketing engine set up, the brief that we need is much less because it's just about us being happy to pick up the phone or sending a quick email and saying, hey, we know you're interested in our product. Yeah. Let's have a chat. Yeah. Not being scared yeah. to, do, to do that, to be yeah. on the phone. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And so do they just like forward the number or forward the email to, so you're just on that email or you're just on that, that the end of the phone. So it's like you work within the company, like you're just an extension of that, that business. Um, and you're just managing that process for the for them, and then you know sending the details to the right person so that yeah. they can. Yeah, yeah nice. Yeah. We're operating what, completely within their business on their behalf. Yeah. What a great little plug-in, and something that I can imagine, particularly for those business owners who feel really uncomfortable in that sales process, who feel icky, who feel like that's not their strength. Um, what a great thing to outsource, to, to, to get someone to help you with by just, you know, getting that person to, to, to follow up, et cetera. Awesome. Do you have any other advice that you'd offer to, to businesses um, around business development or, or sales or lead nurturing? I think just to remind yourself that it is a long-term 
process. So yeah. many things now we expect to be quick. We, we, you know, we want things to happen so quickly. And you forget that when we talk about leads or we talk about prospects, we talk about, you know, new business, these are people. Mm, that's so right. people value time. They value a genuine conversation. You know, we're talking to people really differently now through all your marketing efforts and have this online presence. But at the end of the day, it's almost flipped in that yeah. that sales cold call from 20 years ago is seen as something that's all oh, salesy, right? But yeah. we're not doing that now yeah. because we're selling in a different way. And all yeah. of a sudden a phone call just to chat with a person on the other end of the line to find out what their needs are, what they're interested in, and did they like the article you sent through? That's cutting through again yeah. because no one's doing it. And so yes. everyone's, because everyone's sitting behind their computers and, you know, getting the emails and the content out. So I think my reminder would be to just pick, as soon as you've picked up the phone, it's just like having a chat with a friend or a family mm. member. Mm. Um, and that person probably does want to talk to you. It's just about, you know, being polite and the way you approach it. Yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, 100%. And I think, too, that's something I've noticed, particularly with working with regional small businesses. Like, you build relationships that are well beyond your business relationships, well beyond the boardroom, mm. I'd call it. Um, so you might initially meet someone via a meeting or via, a, you know, a lead coming in from a bit of marketing or whatever. Um, but it's, you know, as soon as you've made that first kind of point of contact, it's not long before you're running into them in the supermarket and you're yeah. seeing them on the soccer field and you're, you know, running them into them at the pub. Um, and they start to become, you know, you start to build that relationship, that personal relationship as well as that professional relationship for that to, to yeah, for, for someone to actually just pick up the phone um, and, and actually have that relationship person to person, as opposed to going on a, a, an automation sequence. Like for me personally, I would so much rather just pick up the phone and talk to someone. And that's, that's, that might be my personality style, but I, I so value relationships. I really do value relationships and I know how important relationships are to my business in order for us to drive successful outcomes, for example. So, so I think, you know, I really appreciate it, but I also appreciate it if, if someone's trying to sell to me. Do you know what I mean? I would much rather speak to them if I want to, if I want to indulge them in that, that mm. conversation. But it can um, be so frustrating. You know, the other day I was online looking for something. I go to the contact us and there's only the form. And I was like, yes. oh, I, to, I actually just want to pick up the phone because I need something just quickly. And then I'm, I'm lost. I've gone somewhere else because it was too, too hard. So when yeah. you flip then you start to see the value of having the phone available and actually, you know, placing calls and spending more time. Yes, yeah, yeah, 100%. I, I agree. And what surprise and delight you get when someone does pick up the phone and helps you, you do you know what I mean, or, or does reply to your email in a timely manner and, and is able to help you solve whatever problem it is or answer whatever question that you have, um, it's just, it's so refreshing and such a great way to, to start a business relationship. I completely agree with you there. Um, so that's, that's treating people as treat people and, and not as numbers. Okay. So if, if we've got business owners here going, yes, I don't want to do the sales or yes, I don't do sales in my business. I need someone to help me. How can people get in touch with you? So jump onto our website bdmbythehour.com.au, have a look around. Um, and if you're interested in having a chat, jump on our contact us and reach out. 
Awesome. Are they going to come onto your contact us and go, ah, I just want to speak to someone. <laughs> Will you? No, all... no. My, number's on, my number's on there too. <laughs> your number's on there too, just in case someone does want to, to, to chat yeah. with you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that. Really appreciate your time and your great tips. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the How To Do Marketing Show. Hey, if you're really enjoying these episodes and feel like they are helping you become a better marketer, head into your podcast app and hit subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode and the marketing goodness will just keep flowing in. And if you know a small business owner who you think might also find this episode helpful or any of the other episodes helpful, please grab a screenshot of the episode and send it over to them. And of course, I always love to hear back from you in the form of ratings and review. It uh, helps other businesses find the podcast and it also makes me smile. (laughs) All right. Well, until next time, everybody, happy marketing. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production.